Welcome to Retirement Unlimited with Randy Barkley and Jeremiah Lee. This is a program where we discuss life's hard financial questions to help you make smart decisions about your money. I'm a certified financial planner and Jeremiah is a California licensed attorney. We work together at Tricord Advisors. Tricord is a registered investment advisory firm where we help our clients build the life that they love. If you have a topic you'd like to hear us discuss on future episodes, just send us an email. Use the contact button on our website, retirementunlimited.com, or just give our office a call. Our phone number is 951-684-7011. Welcome to Retirement Unlimited. Each week we discuss life's hard financial questions to try and help you make smart decisions with your money. I'm Jeremiah. Uh, I'm a certified financial planner as well as a California licensed attorney, and Randy is also a certified financial planner. This week, we are talking about looking back and looking forward, trying to predict where we're going to be, trying to predict where we've, we've come from. I mean, Randy, has this year gone the way that we thought it would? Now, in fact, a lot of reports we look at, you know, their predictions going back to the end of 2021 and the start of 2022, and a lot of people were predicting uh, what the economy, and then we've gone back and looked at uh, various years. I like to keep uh, magazines and reports going back several years and look at the January and the June uh, to see what people uh, are predicting. I think the probably the most uh, certain uh, prediction for 2022 has been rising interest rates. Mm. And rising interest rates have had an impact upon bonds more adversely than on just about anything else. And I think most people were expecting that. I guess the question is the rate of uh, rise in the interest rates, right? Yeah, but I think to kind of get the, the context for everybody, you know, it, it, right now we're at a spot. We're in the you know, middle of June, near the end of June, and kind of trying to decide what do we do next? And everyone in the market is saying, are we going to have a recession? Are we going to have, um, are we going to go up from here? And, and our ideas today is to look back at what everyone thought in you know, the beginning of the year. And were right. they right? Were they wrong? I mean, the, the fear you hear on the news, do you need to believe it? Do you need to ignore it? And so January 3rd, if everyone would remember, was a high point in the market. You know, a lot of the Dow, the S&P, they were setting uh, records, brand new records that we'd never had before. And, and from there, basically, it just turned and went straight down. You know, we've, we've had from January to... Well, again, around, the market, and just, just to kind of respond to that, um, I, I, see, I see we've got two markets. Mm. I see we have two markets going on, a third if you consider the bond market. But I think the value-based stocks versus you know the high dividend payers and those those classifications versus the growth stocks you know the, the the big six i call them that made up a majority of or made up a big percentage of the s p 500 at going back to that december date but we've seen we've seen really two different markets going forward yeah that's a really good comment to distinguish because you know months of two three i mean the more we slice this up the more differences we see um, but the talking heads, you know, at that time, you know, when you had the January, talking people, heads for sure. People were talking yeah. about inflation. They're concerned about things coming down, things being overpriced, and the markets, you know, come down. But you're right, in different different segments doing different things. And now the talking heads are talking all about recession, um, you know, gas prices, food prices. Where are we going to go from here? I just wanted to, I guess, highlight a few items that have happened, and the, and the fears we've had um, over the last even two years of kind of how, how difficult it is for these people to project and for us to project. So from January 2020, so before COVID, before the big just drop. Before, just before COVID, right? Just before COVID, it's on the end of the year, to June 2022, so th this month. Basically, the market is 14% up. So in the midst of that time, it's gone massively down. It's gone massively up. But in the midst of all that, you know, we had a big drop quickly, and then we had a recovery. It turned like a V, and it kept going up. But in the midst of that, there's been fears of Omicron variant, 
Delta variant. Uh, there's been discussions of the great resignation. You know, are we ever going to recover from this? Right. Um, stimulus payments, um, corporate liability. I mean, I remember fairly early on, there was concerns when people wanted to come back to the offices to right. say, our corporation is going to be liable if people get COVID. Um, Russia invasion, of course, that's more recent. recent. Um, inflation, people being unable to hire. Uh, racial tension. I mean, that, that, all that has happened in, the, in the, the course of this last two years. And I think it's interesting, you know, people at, as of June, January 2020, what they're predicting, they didn't predict any of that. You know, they had no idea. And, you know, COVID's a unique moment. But then as we get to January 2022, you know, all the things that they're projecting, it, it's really difficult for them to do. And you know, they're looking at, we have all new prices. We have this great idea. And you've got, you've got people with, you know, again, the talking heads on television. I always tell my clients, be careful who you listen to because they reinforce your biases, particularly social media and such as that. So a lot of the talking heads are reinforcing this recession thing because bad news sells, right? Uh, people want to hear and they want to see the train wreck. They just don't want to be mm. part of the train wreck. And I think what's happening is um, the more and more that we talk about recession, we're seeing, for example, interest rates, mortgage rates went from 3% to almost 6%. And really no reason for that other than the fact that the market changed amidst, amongst and amidst all this uh, conversation about a recession. And so that's starting to have a, an impact upon real estate. And again, we've talked about in previous programs that there's, there's two sticky parts to the inflationary side. It's the real estate side and the uh, oil side, the energy side. And uh, we're starting to see real estate, the capping of it, I guess, is the best way. And the mortgage rates, of course, are having an impact mm -hmm. on that. And uh, now the oil prices, I, again, the economy is still booming from the standpoint of lower unemployment and that. But I, I think people are starting to see that impact of higher gas prices and it's starting to affect their spending. Mm -hmm. And we're also starting to see some, we're hearing about certain retailers, large retailers, that they are they got excess supply in other words they've got a lot of inventory that's building up that they did not expect to have at this point in time that could be recessionary yeah those are really good comments and we i think we talked about last week that a recession is a psychological event you right. know it's, it's not just a an economic event because the idea with the fed raising interest rates is they want to bring down people's consumption they want to bring down the speed at which we are traveling. They want to, you know, stop people from going to the beach or the mountains. <laughs> you know, spend less. You know, save a little more. Right. Um, and th the hard part of this, the soft landing that we talked about last week, is if if the Fed can increase the interest rate and not at the right pace that everything slows down together, that's great. The hard part is, I think, realistically in, in life, nobody slows down. Nobody slows down until they just say this is too much, and then everyone cancels vacations and, if you, and stops trying. Again, if you if you're a job, I mean, of course, we live in Southern California, and of course, our economy is, you know, how we adapt to it. But I think of the people when I go on, when I get occasionally get on the freeway, and I see the number of cars on the freeway, and I think about the people that have to work, you know, 30, 40, 50 miles away from their home, and they're not able to work remotely, and they have to pack up and get on the freeways. And energy, gasoline prices are real. So if you have a truck, and that's part of your business, uh, that is really hitting your bottom line. And you, you come back with less income. You know, we've talked about it in our offices, how can we help our employees with some of the gas prices? And it's, it's, not, it's not easy to do that because if you give, if you give an employee more money, and there's some companies that are doing this, well, the taxes are gonna be taken out of that. So the employee is not gonna get a direct benefit of that. 
you know, 100 cents on the dollar, they're going to get more like 60 or 70 cents on the dollar. And that makes it harder for companies. So again, I think the sharing pain across the spectrum is real. And I, and I think that uh, profits will probably, earnings will come down, don't you, don't you think? Mm-hmm. I, I think you're right. I mean, I think uh, corporations are trying to find their way through just like anybody else. Right. And you know, some corporations are going to do nothing. I mean, like you said, we've, we've read about some that are they're giving nice stimulus and things that employees are going to get through this season. Um, and the question is, how long will the season last? You know, are we talking about a year here? Are we talking about multiple years? One item of a recession that we talk about in our office is, is how long. And part of the, the difficulty that, you know, that people have in pr- projecting these things is even if we do go into recession, you know, when they call it a correction, meaning it went less than 20% down, um, you know, often th- there's some averages, but say in seven months or so, seven to nine months, you often have recovered from that. You know, it, it kills the better part of a year, but you've recovered. And then these bear markets where it actually goes below that 20% line, often, I think the average we were looking at was around 15 months um, right. for it to recover. And so with, with this moment, you know, we've, we've, I think, formally... And, that, through, and that's to recover from the trough. So you can see a recovery, but to get back to where you started, yep. so we're going back to that December date that you had mentioned earlier, that's when the market was at the peak. So if it goes down, you know, the market could recover, but it may not get back to that, that, that December date yep, for, for 15 months or 17 months or something like that. But you see a recovery coming yep. on. No, that's a good clarifying of, of getting back to where we started. Before we went down, how do we get back to that same peak? And, and for this, you know, what, if we're going into this recession and it has inflation, it has high fuel prices, high food prices, if people need to get through this for two or three months, you know, that's a lot, very right. different analysis than if this is going to be, say, 24 months. Uh, before we kind of recovered where we were. And I think for people, as they're getting to, to uh, look at their portfolios, you know, you are significantly rewarded by staying invested. Um, right. There's a chart we talked about a few weeks ago, but uh, it kind of had from the 1980s till now, and it took out just the 10 best days of the market. So if you just miss these 10 days, whatever, whatever days they were, whether they came at the bottom or came at the top, your portfolio was about half of what it would have been had you stayed in the market the whole time. And the, hard, the hardest part we have on those is those best days you know, come sporadically throughout. Yeah, and I mean, I think just in a more current illustration, two weeks ago, the market corrected, yep. and we saw a sell-off, and it ended the week with somewhere around four to five percent, depending upon what the what the holdings are. And uh, as I talked to clients, there's some clients saying that it's just going to continue to go down, will it? And I said no, but I said if you pull out, I said you could miss an upside, like what you're referring to. But the following week, last week, that's exactly what happened. The market corrected up, and it corrected up gangbusters. Now, had you been out of the market, had you sold, in other words, if the emotions had driven your actions and you had sold the week before, you would have missed the upside. And what you're talking about is that if you don't stay invested, and if your allocations are, you know, you do your alignments earlier, but um, you miss the upside, and you miss, and, and that has a dramatic impact upon your overall return over time, doesn't it? It does, yeah. And, and to know what, what we're talking about as far as the long run. I mean, if, if you're going to be invested, say, for two to three years, then the idea of selling, in most instances, is just trying to time the market, right. <clears throat> just trying to get it right, to get out, to get in. And you're going to miss a lot of the interesting items. So, I mean, even go back to that earliest example, January 2020, pre-COVID, till June 2022, you're up 14%. And if someone was able to put the blinders on and say, you know, I want to be invested, that's a great spot to be in. You know, it's, it's not the most incredible returns, but it's decent returns between then and now. And if someone was really timing it and getting it all right, you know, they mm-hmm. exited at the right point, they missed the fall, they bought again, you know, they'd be, you know, phenomenal. 
but that takes a lot of time, especially to do over time to get that consistently right. And so, you know, some investors, you know, let's say they're day traders, but they're trying to time that market and they're going to miss some, you know, and, and how much of an impact that miss will have is really meaningful. Yeah, I mean, I think, again, we go back to economic analysis. You know, we, we spend a great deal of time trying to understand what the macroeconomics are and we rebalance. Now, so back in December and January, it was an ideal time to harvest. We, we took some money off the table. We rebalanced those into value-based stocks and we put more into cash. We kind of build that out. Uh, we shortened the, the duration of our bonds. We were trying to get a, a less risk in the bond market, knowing that we were probably going to see higher interest rates. But our emphasis was towards equities that were paying dividends. And looking back at it, there was a huge separation between the growth assets and the value-based assets. Mm -hmm. Now, they're all down. They're all down. But if you look at proportionally what the value-based assets are in relationship to growth, there's a big difference. And for the people that are listening to us, if you need to get an understanding and we can help you through that and to be able to identify value-based assets versus growth assets and historically what their return has been uh, over this period of time. I mean, yeah. and this, is a, this is a picture in time right now. Yeah, and we're not, we're not done with the recession. We always tell people you know, not to right. make fear-based choices at the bottom right. or fear-based choices really ever. But there's a moment to retool and to say, am I holding what's best for the projected, the possible, the potential future? going forward. And yeah, if people are still in growth stocks, um, you know, everyone were listening to economics, for the economists, it, it's not a rosy picture. You know, they, they might do well, but they don't see it taken off, whereas value stocks seem to have a really strong future still ahead of them. Yeah. So if you'd like to know more about what we're talking about, we would, we would love for you to call us. And our phone number is 951-684-7011. Our job is to help you make really hard choices, but good choices about your money and your financial life. Stay tuned for our next section. We're going to talk about good ideas, bad ideas. You know, retirement is supposed to be a secure time. Are you secure? Do you and your loved ones have the information needed to make the right decisions about retirement? You need counsel, not another salesperson, an advisor that looks out for your interest more than theirs. This is Dennis Prager, and I'd like you to call Randy Barkley, a certified financial planner who's been serving the Inland Empire for over 26 years. He's a retirement specialist who works for you, on all the important and often confusing things that determine how comfortable you are in retirement. Call Randy Barkley for a free consultation and learn for yourself what I've learned he can be trusted. Randy Barkley, 888-627-8371, 888-627-8371. Or visit me, Randy Barkley, at retirementunlimited.com. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, clearing through TD Ameritrade, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back. I'm Randy Barkley, and I'm a certified financial planner, and I'm here with Jeremiah Lee, who is also a certified financial planner, as well as a licensed attorney. And he helps our clients make those really, I mean, we come alongside our clients to help them make the good financial choices about their life. Today, we're going to talk about good idea, bad idea. I, I get this one a lot. I'm sure you do, Randy, as well, that people say, hey, the markets are, are, are moving forward. I have a good idea. I'm going to take a mortgage on my house and I'm going to invest it in the market. Uh, or I'm going to buy real estate. Or I'm going to buy real estate. Or I'm going to buy crypto. Or I'm going to buy all sorts of things. But Whatever. The, idea, Whatever. the idea is saying, I'm sitting on all this equity. It doesn't need to be there. I'm going to take either a, a HELOC or a second mortgage. I'm going to get this money out. I'm going to use it for something. And you know, right now in the recessionary moment, this month, I've not had that question. 
six months ago, you know, during when everything kept going up, I had people, you know, kind of coming in and saying, this is a no brainer. I can get $100,000 out of my house. My, my, my rates will be 3% and I could put it in the market and look, I can make 13% on that. This is a no brainer. I need to do this. And we talk people through this and good idea, bad idea. We'll get to that. I, near I, the end. I am. I've always been opposed to it. I've been in this business for 40 years and I've heard this analogy and yes, I can sit down on paper and I can show you by pulling out arbitrage. In other words, you have a lower interest rate on your mortgage and you invest in something that gives you a higher return. Um, I, I've just always been opposed to it because, you know, I go back to the legal aspect of it and you can speak more to this, Jeremiah, than I can. But your home is your castle and there's certain laws that protect your home. You have to be, you have to be almost criminal. Uh, to even lose your home. I mean, it, it is something that you always want to look at as your safety, so your security. And, and if you invite that risk into your home, it, it could be the worst choice you'll ever make in your life. Right. That's right. Well, the, the downside, like you said, the downside is so much bigger, I think, than people initially see. Right. Um, and and the, part of this also is if someone has a rental property, not the place they live, but the rental property. Invest, investment property. An investment property. That's right. Something that they're using. To, to take a mortgage on that and to you know, try and buy another, you know, that's leveraging an investment asset. And there's goods and bads of that, but that's a little bit different even than doing it at your primary residence. And the biggest difference is if something goes sideways, it doesn't go the way you think it is, you lose your house, your home, you know, the place where your children and your family is residing. And in, in some markets, you know, where are you going to go next? And I've seen that. I mean, I've had a historical perspective because I lived through the early 80s. I've seen the downturns in the 90s, but also the crushing one was 2008, yeah. where where people leveraged themselves. They 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 made really poor choices because the market allowed them to do that, and um, bankers stopped being the adult in the room, so to speak, mm -hmm. and they allowed people to borrow more money than they were able to pay back. And it's tragic. It's hard to watch people almost be pushed out onto the street because they've made they've made some really critical errors. Yeah. And a key thing I think that people when they have this question, you know, should I do this? Isn't this the right thing to do? Kind of waiting us for us right. to say yes. Um, is, is often when they take out the line of credit or the second mortgage and they take out a, a draw from that, they have to start paying back usually interest only payments for a while. And, yeah. and the idea of that is say if you take out $100,000, it's not just I can invest this. You have to have additional money that's going to come out to, to cover that principal. And then you're looking at a balloon. And that balloon, you know, whatever, how many years from there, you know, we have to pay it back. And if the markets are up, you know, if everything's gone the way you thought, it's easy, right? They say, I'll pay it back. It, it's no big and, deal. And you pat yourself on the back and you say, I was really smart. Yeah, I was making my money work for me. Right. On the flip side, if things don't go as well, now you've lost some money and it comes due and you've got to dig into other savings. And I don't get this question often from people in my mind who have a sufficient buffer to do this. You know, if you had... $100,000 sitting in a regular account, regular savings or an investment account, and then you wanted to take $100,000 out of your house and invest it, and that investment goes belly up, you still have that savings to pay back the loan if you needed to. It's not those people often that are asking this question. It's the people right. who have maybe $10,000 of the savings, and they say, wow, I'm missing the market. I'm missing out. There's all this upside. I need to take some equity out of my house, get it invested so I participate in this market. And if this doesn't work, all they've got is this ten grand. And it's real easy to get losses that, that equate for that. The worst I have is when you, you go from just, I want to make you know, sane, prudent investments in the market, rather right. saying, I want to just trade options, or I want to invest in crypto, these things that are highly volatile. 
and they're realizing that they're they're putting it in this extreme and, risk. And, and all they're hearing from their friends or whatever they're reading is that they're missing out. It's the, it's the fear of missing out. I shouldn't yep. do this because I can make this much more money. Yep. And what they're what's really coming down to is they're taking on risk they don't see. Yep. Um, and a risk that that is not. I mean, for often most of our clients, not saying they're all married, but I say we have a. a Proportion are. It's a risk that they're not rightly equivocating to what this will do to their marriage, to their kids, um, to the security that they've provided in that in that home, um, or if it's a wife working their their husband. Yeah. Um, often I, there's a two spouse yeah. issue of their security right. there, and to to de- mess with that security is it's a deeper emotional level. Yeah, I mean it goes obviously to the family and the kids and everything else. And I and I've heard uh, well known commentators that have advertised for mortgage companies, and they basically are commenting that. If you're a homeowner and you're leaving all the equity in your home and you're not bringing it out to invest in something, you're kind of being stupid. And I listen to that and I and I have to tell you, I just it just gets under my skin because first of all, they're giving financial advice and they're doing this blanket um, analysis for the listener that if you have equity in your home and you're not pulling it out, you know, we take almost the opposite view. We try to have people pay off their home earlier. Yeah. You know, take advantage of these lower interest rates. You know, and if you can. If you keep your payment the same and you've dropped your interest rates from four down to two and a half, you can accelerate your payment. Uh, you can pay off your more. And again, some people, they, they push back on that. They say, yep. why should I do that? Right? Yep. And it's a discussion and everyone's a little different. So when we pivot slightly that, it's a good question. Should you pay off your mortgage? So I'll say the first one, more, take a mortgage to invest it. I'd say bad idea. What do you say? Right. right. I, I would agree. I would concur with that. All right. So then jumping over the next one, pivot slightly to so someone coming in saying, should I pay off my mortgage? I have a mortgage. Should I pay it off? And often you know, we start with a math problem to say, look at their right. interest rates. And if they're paying you know 7% on their interest on, on their mortgage, yeah, that, that's a that's a ripe one to start paying off. If it's if they're getting 2 to 3%, you know, they refinance at a good time, there's a question. But I, I always pause for a second you know, beyond the math with clients to say, there's also an aspect of being debt-free. There's also right. a beauty to saying, I owe nobody anything. My next big bill is my property taxes that I'll pay in six months. I mean, there's right. some beauty to that that type of living. And I don't ever want to underestimate that that freedom that gives people. I mean, the, the psychological rest that you have, knowing that you know, the world could be kind of in chaos around you and your house is paid for and you don't owe anybody anything on it. And in California, they reward you with Prop 13, so your property taxes are lower. And it's a moment in time where a lot of people just don't realize how incredibly comfortable that is to know that your house is paid yes. for. Yeah, and, and so there's the, the psychological aspect that you've done that. And there's also, I think, a beautiful beautiful safety net for a lot of folks. You know, as they get older and they're, and they're aging, you know, if, if their house is paid off and, you know, they're getting Social Security, they're having retirement funds, if they run into a health emergency, if they run into, you know, end-of-care, right. long-term care, you know, we always run the analysis for people, but if you have a home in California, especially especially Southern California, that's fully paid for, you probably have five hundred thousand dollars plus in potential equity. That's a good safety net for you, and it's so, not something you want to tap into, but it, it's around and it's a good asset. So, what, what would your analysis be? Would it be a good idea or a bad idea to pay off your mortgage early? Uh, I'm gonna give you the lawyer answer here. It depends. It depends. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It depends. I knew it. But I knew I, it was coming. But I think for a, a lot of folks. If they are in a position to pay off their mortgage, it's a cool spot to be. If they're in yeah. a, especially when they're older, if they're a bit younger and they're still in the building phase, um, kind of still building their life, and they have a good interest rate, I think those funds can be used other places. You know, paying for college, investing in things, you know, buying right. a business, buying other rental properties. So I would say if they're younger and they have a good interest rate, probably a bad idea. If they're a bit older or they have a high interest rate, I, w- I would, I would think it could be a good idea. I, I agree with you. And this, 
resonates with you and you'd like to know more, more information about this and how this work, you know, how these decisions would really help secure your life financially, get, reach out to us and give us a call. Our phone number is 951-684-7011 or just simply go to our website, which is www.retirementunlimited.com. If you have a, a topic you'd like us to discuss on a future episode, you can call our office, leave us a message, or even in the comments below, you can leave a topic and we'll talk about that on a future episode. Until next week, folks, may you grow in wisdom and knowledge. Thank you for listening. Information and ideas discussed on this program are in the nature of general comment and cannot be relied upon as pertaining to your specific situation. Do not constitute legal or financial advice and do not create an attorney, client, or fiduciary relationship. Any examples or circumstances discussed are fictional. Listeners should consult their own financial advisor, tax consultant, or attorney, as well as conduct their own due diligence prior to making any decisions. Investments involve risk and the possibility of loss, including the loss of principal. All situations are different and results may vary. Randy Barkley is a California life insurance agent, California license number 0518567. And Jeremiah Lee is a California licensed attorney and is responsible for this communication. Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisory firm.